This episode is brought to you by the Project Manga Patreon, the best way for viewers to support the project and allow us a means to keep providing new and quality content to our subscribers. Go to patreon.com slash projectmanga and find out more about the perks we have available to patrons, including early access to all of our content and exclusive videos like behind-the-scenes footage and additional manga reviews. That's patreon.com slash projectmanga. All right, let's get into the episode. And welcome back to the Project Manga Podcast, where we cover One Piece, My Hero Academia, Jujutsu Kaisen, Ayashi Mon, Sakamoto Days, and Mission Yozakura Family, week to week. Back this week covering Weekly Shonen Jump issue number 20. I'm Knox. And I'm Melo Yenis. And before we get into the discussion tonight, of course, we'd like you to take a look at the description down below. That's going to be where you can find individual social media accounts to follow, like Twitter, ways that you can join our online communities like Discord, listen to the Project Manga podcast wherever you normally listen to your podcasts, and ways that you can support what we do here by checking out our Patreon. Other than that, pretty light week, two, two series missing. But I feel like there's big conversations in the four chapters that we do have to cover today, so we might as well jump right into it. Starting with Ayashimon, chapter 20 doesn't begin to describe it. I think this is a huge chapter for Ayashimon, really turning the tension up, especially with the um, situation towards the end of the chapter. And I think we're about to go into some pretty butt-clenchy territories inside of oh, Ayashimon yeah. pretty quickly here. How did you feel about this one, Melo? This... This was a chapter where the the state of play has been radically altered. Like right. we've been, they've been talking about have going to war. They've been talking about moving forward, but now it's confirmed that there are that fewer safe spaces. Like right. I'm really glad that they are with the Todoroki Alliance because they are mobile and that is like their greatest asset. Yes. Um, but like thinking about it, it's like. The petrol stations, gas stations, those are going to be the places that people are going to be hanging out, waiting to jump them eventually. Right. If there's, you know, um, they might pull um, Adam Sandler, Big Dad, and like th try to huck a spear or a stick through the wheels, oh, get yeah. him to crash, yeah. that kind of stuff, hang out at garages and wait for them to get their stuff repaired, leave caltrops, leave, you know, those yeah. like giant weird like police things that have like the nails on the bottom oh yeah the the spike strips yeah spike strips yeah so like i imagine that would be a way to kind of like curtail and like focus down the todoroki alliance Hell yeah. um and i like it because it flips the original script of we're gonna talk to these people we don't want to deal with quarry hotels and now they're like quarry hotels is the only one left right we need to work with these people and it's like um Strange bedfellows kind of thing, where mm. it's like the enemy of my enemy is my friend, yes. and I, I still hate you, like yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. I'm always a big fan of that kind of stuff. I I really appreciate that they're doing this with the other characters while Maruo is doing his solo training stuff. Yes, yeah, yeah. I I like this chapter because of how much of a you know a stage setter 
it felt like for like the next phase of the storytelling right the beginning of the chapter we got maruo still doing his chestnut training we have urara talking to Kotone, reaffirming her motivations the motivations of the group this is what we're trying to do we got we got to settle scores for you know why he became my father's successor we got to get revenge for hashihime he tried to kill me like just just reiterating exactly what the focus of the group is and then moving directly into okay let's do this reconnaissance mission over here and what i liked about the chapter inside of this recon mission that they do is that it's set up in such a like a a comedic kind of way obviously you have waku and ten dressing up as women so that they can sneak around in kabu in kabukicho you know, uh, trying mm -hmm. to talk to like the B stars heads and see what's going on with them. So all of that was like lighthearted and funny at first. And then the farther you get into this conversation with Urara and Onamazu, the tone just gets darker and more tense as the conversation goes on, obviously, because we're seeing that this recon mission mission is going horribly wrong. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and, and like, what's crazy about it is that like, when I'm going through it, I'm like, okay, they're, they're dressing up, they're fooling the security guards. They're talking to this Onamazu lady and she's none the wiser. And it seems like she's going to get all the information that she needs from this chick just because she played the part well, which would have been totally fine. But I got this vibe from Onamazu that she was like, not fucking with them. Like from the beginning, she was, she's, uh -huh. she's, offering all of this information about the way that things are going you know what i mean why the mm -hmm. end of syndicate is as big as it is all of the really important information seems to be just given easily to urara and i was like is that a little too easy but then now i kind of like realize after the chapter is over it's like it doesn't matter if we give you this information because there's nowhere you can hide from enma like i can tell this information it to whoever feels, i want what are you gonna do about it it's fucking it enma feels syndicate. like a threat yeah yeah straight up honest. yeah um and the thing is like the onamazu is like this catfish yokai mm -hmm. and uh they are known for like being able to like cause earthquakes they sense small tremors that happen before earthquakes and are like they become more active so like the idea that this is a time of social upheaval yeah. and that the onamazu is now active oh yeah things are going down earthquakes right. are definitely having movers shakers everything's yeah. getting swept up in the chaos and like the onamazu is a yokai that prefers chaos um there's even stories of like them like swimming up waterfalls and like becoming dragons but i was thinking about like um the sensing tremors thing mm -hmm. and like the onamazu being almost a little bit like a polygraph and just oh. like getting a good vibe like test like is good at feeling at sussing out the vibes out of other people and it's just right. like yeah you're up to some shady shit yeah. how about i threaten you and put you back in your place for wasting my time right kind of vibes yeah and that's how i fell off from them yeah, it's hard, man. Like it's 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 a it's a crazy situation when something that is like started out as comedic, a light job, quick work, let's just get in there, get some information, get out. We're not trying to do anything too crazy. Like if this was like a big plan, you know, you're expecting when you have your big raid plan or your big war plan and you go mm -hmm. into it and you have all of the fucking, you know, eyes dotted and T's crossed, you're expecting something to go horribly wrong anyway, no matter how prepared the protagonists are for going into a 
big situation. So like the expectations are all there for that. But this was supposed to be something that was going to be really quick, get in there, get information and get out. And even this kind of situation goes horribly wrong. You know what I mean? Like yeah. not, you can't even do recon in this area without losing members of your crew or like the, the Enma syndicate as a threat and as an enemy just like skyrocketed the tension inside of Ayashimon because this was started off, like I said, so funny and, and it seemed so easy, mm -hmm. you know, and they kind of caught them with their pants down because they didn't have a whole lot of information about, you know, what the new state of the world was before this recon mission. If they did have any more information than they had, they probably would have been a lot more cautious than this. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. But this is just like right place, right time, stars aligned. You guys thought it was going to be this, but the state of the situation is actually much graver than you thought, and you're paying for it in a recon mission because it's yeah. that serious. It's it's really shows the, the glaring weakness of a group like the Todoroki Alliance because they are they have actively distanced themselves from the politics of this new Enma Sikitsuke and like Kabuki Cho as a whole. Yeah. And they're literally like what do we do? We hang out with each other and we ride all day and we don't have roots and we don't have, you know, yada, 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 yada. And that yeah. bit them in the ass. Right. Um, the part that I really liked, um, besides the fact that, like, Tenko makes a convincing girl and uh, uh, Waku is hilarious. Yes. Hilarious incognito. Yeah. I, I, and, like, um... It's funny to me because, like, between Ten, who is, like, more passing, Waku was more invested in the role. Yeah, And that, up. to me, is the funniest part. Yeah. And, like, their whole thing is about, like, spinning or flipping things. And so they're just, like, they flip the switch. This is my character. This is who I am. These are my motivations. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. and that helps to make Waku that much more likable of a character in such a short amount of time before uh -huh. you kill him by the end of the chapter because uh, when tragic so tragic <laughs> so sad i didn't think that i would care that much about waku you know but this you know this chapter and i mean like there was a like he grew on me by the end of the little mm -hmm. like fight the little skirmish that they had a couple chapters ago and i was like maybe this waku dude isn't so bad you know and then this chapter is like oh wait no i love waku actually and then it's just take him away from you at the peak of your newfound interest for the character and it's just like holy shit mm -hmm. kaku yuji okay and i love the i love the way you put it how 10 is more passing but waku is more invested in the role because like it's not enough to just try to make your voice higher you know what I mean? Which I'm assuming that he probably is trying to do. But on top of I that, mean, he's... I he didn't do it very well. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> like... still, they still commented about how he still totally sounds like, a, like an old man. But I can still see him in the anime, like, adaptation. Like, if this ever gets one. I could still see him, like, high, you know, giving himself a higher voice that still mm -hmm. sounds like an old man. But it's not just him giving himself a higher pitched voice if he even is but it's also he's changing the way that he talks too to sound like a ditzy you he know bimbo really yeah he, he really, really like tried. leaned into that shit so i was like okay waku you're fucking hilarious and then boom waku dead and not just randomly either he saw that shit was going south got a fucking thing on his pager who knows if he actually got paged oh he someone. faked that shit. yeah i'm pretty sure he faked he it and totally was just like yeah my like he the, the the gears probably turned the light bulb went off oh no my people are in trouble whoops got a page my boyfriend's gonna kill me we need to get the fuck up out of here goes and drops him back off at katone i gotta go back in and get our boys you know what i'm saying and i was like okay go waku down for the squad you know what i'm saying these three random 
you know, uh, Todoroki, you know, team guys. Yeah. Like, we don't team even have, one. yeah, team one. We don't even have names for these motherfuckers. And Waku was like, no, I'm going to go get my people back. So they give you some comedy related to Waku, make you fall in love with that. Then they show you how how loyal he is and how much of a G he is, even for little low-level mm-hmm. foot soldiers. And you're like, okay, I'm really fucking with this Todoroki Alliance dynamic and message and mission. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm more invested now in this team and then boom you take them away and it's like oh no like at the peak of that interest you kill the character and it's like what a decision to make there and a genuine homeboys yeah genuine homeboys yeah the thing is it took me a couple like a reread to notice because like i was very distracted on the first the second page with like waku and ten um in their disguises yeah but then like the team one dudes i was like oh hey those are the guys wait they look familiar and then i go through that part where they're like they're the ones that got caught yeah. and those guys got chased. And I'm like, oh my God, how did I not notice that? Yeah, I think it but took me I, my I second time that. through it too to really notice exactly what was going on because when I'm first reading this chapter, I'm so focused on the conversation that Urara is having with Onamazu that mm-hmm. I didn't realize that like the art, you know, underneath the superimposed conversation was showing this situation go terribly wrong in pretty much every way so then i go back through it a second time and i'm like yep this and i connected all the dots and i'm like man cinematically like this could be directed in such a bone chillingly tense way i would <laughs> love to i really hope this gets an anime Me because too, like, dude i love it. i love i love gangster movies mm-hmm. i love stuff i like westerns yeah um and there's 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 there's, there's magic to that kind of stuff to have that kind of like um, things like the Godfather scene where he's like baptizing his like son, yeah. and then everyone else is wiping out the uh, competition and stuff. Yes, and I was like, that's great juxtaposition. I love that. Right, like there's um, something so like Scorsese about having a conversation with a figurehead of a gang as they give you information that's increasingly more tense and more like you don't know what you're getting yourself into little girl type vibes Mm -hmm. while showing a montage of all of your people getting apprehended that you came here with and by the end of the conversation it's don't fuck with the enma syndicate and that's when waku's like everything's going wrong we need to get the fuck out of here and get our people in bounce it's just like there's something that's just so you know, old school S tier gangster movie about this entire thing. And if that is a vibe that Ken or that uh, Kaku Yuji has just nailed, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Inside of Ayashimon. And I can't remember the last time I felt it this strongly in, you know, a Shonen series at that. It's extremely wholesome. And I feel like it, the strength of a cast is not the number of faces or the number of powers brought into play, but the dynamic expressed between that cast. You can have a small cast and have a killer dynamic. You can have a massive cast and still have a good, vibrant, multifaceted dynamics. But I've seen a lot of series where they're just like, it's about time we introduce a new character. And then what about the old characters? Are they basically forgotten? Like, how far is too far where it's like does the author seem like they give a shit about the characters right like that was one of my personal gripes with like fairy tale after a while i was Mm -hmm. like this is kind of cool and then after a while i was like there's just so many new characters and none of them kind of like stick up yeah yeah they don't leave that lasting impression and that's something that i feel like a lot of authors probably struggle with is 
creating a cast of characters that actually feel like real people instead of just narrative puppet vehicles for plot progression. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. when you have, you know, dialogue that feels so organic and so natural between characters that also works as development and fleshing out of those characters in question, then that's how you create impactful performances that stick with people after the chapter is over, after the character dies, etc., etc. Because the way that Katone reacts to this entire situation makes a lot of sense, not just for what we understand of his character so far, but just in general. Even if we knew nothing about Katone besides he's the leader of this group, and then all of a sudden Waku gets killed and they fucking put his sunglasses and his scarf like on a pipe like by his dead body and shit the way that he reacts is so like yeah i get it i understand that go raise the entire city to the ground for your homeboy and then you have his right hand the guy that i've been calling draken basically the entire time because uh, his, his name is a boro i believe uh, but yeah you have him who's like the voice of reason like bro i know that this shit's got you hot but we gotta think here we gotta you know do this this that and this to make sure that we don't overextend and get our whole outfit smoked you know what i mean like we have to you know we have to be rational about this even though this is a very fucked up situation that you have all of the reason to be upset about we have to move properly in response to this we have to see what's up with cory hotels and then right away he's like wait a minute there's someone over there and it's a cory hotels person and at first mm -hmm. i was like this is a little bit convenient but it's not though because it's like if if Todoroki Alliance is getting this information about how there's nowhere to run, the Enma the, the Syndicate is absorbing everything in its path and making it an ally, and Cory Hotels isn't a part of that, they're probably getting the same information the Todoroki Alliance is getting right now and are going out of their way to contact They've been the, looking for them yeah, this they've been, entire exactly, time. Exactly. Like it makes sense that they would be actively seeking out the Todoroki Alliance themselves because they're like, holy shit, we're running out of people to team up with. And then the last two just naturally converge into each other because of no, the necessity for teammates. Yeah. heard about like the Undine Cabaret mm -hmm. getting replacing the Ayakashi B-Stars like, yeah. host club and be like, oh, fuck, that's bad for business. This is really bad for business. We won't... We will be turned into indentured servitude via ritual duel if we don't get our shit together. We need to find the Todoroki Alliance. They will not stand for this they're brutes we don't care about them but like right, we need right, them right exactly it's just it just makes so much sense everyone's you know motivations and potential motivations for seeking each other out and teaming yeah. up against enma you know what i mean whether or not they genuinely believe in the todoroki alliance maybe cory hotels is like you're saying just wants some meatheads to throw into the line of fire while they figure out their own situation that makes it even deeper and more compelling if they're not immediately friends with each other after forming an alliance because if there's oh, potential yeah. infighting between the Todoroki alliance and Cory hotels despite the fact that they're the only two alliances outside of the Enma syndicate left that can rely on each other that's going to say a lot about the world that we're existing in right now too i think it should yeah um i think there's going to be a lot of headbutting on the strategy going forward dealing with this new Enma syndicate right that has alliances with um tatsuo yamamori the human mayor Right. And all this stuff. They'd be like, no, 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 we don't want to do this plan because the cost to us is so high and the cost to you is so low. Right. Like, we're, we're not delivery boys, okay? You can't yes. just turn and burn us. Right. Like, this ain't going to work that way. We need, you know, equal footing when it comes to that kind of thing. Right. Um, 
The part that I thought was really interesting is that uh, the top of page 18, Oboro, it seems seething. And like, yes, he's the voice of reason compared to Katone, but like, he's a yokai that is literally born from road rage. Oh, like, sure. So, that, it, yeah. I, so even he is actually pissed too, but he just has a more rational way of going about things, despite that he probably feels just as intensely about this as Katone does. I'm waiting does. for him to fucking lose it. Yeah, but it's like, his I'm job to make sure that the entire faction doesn't collapse under the, you know, hot headedness and, you know, fucking short temper of Katone. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, like, they both feel equally upset about the loss of waku but obero needs to be the one that holds katone down otherwise the entire it's, group is fucked it's interesting because like as a yokai born of road rage you'd think that he'd be more susceptible to that but maybe because that is his origin he's had a longer time dealing with his own anger and therefore has a better handle on it right i don't know that's just an idea i like that um so I kind of want to talk on uh, the the new uh, Corey Hotel's introduction, yes. Inari Aburaya, mm -hmm. um, junior assistant manager for the Corey Hotels. Um, she Inari. looks she, she looks a lot. Did you read Jigo Karaku? Uh, no, I okay. still need to work through that. I started like the first like 10 chapters and yeah. then I got distracted. Yeah, I remember you saying that you were starting it a while ago, but this character design for Inari Aburaya just reminded me a lot of uh, Yuzuriha, the like Kunoichi, like female shinobi from, from Jigo Karaku, at least aesthetically. And maybe it's been a while since I've seen her, but she just has that like frisky, you know, succubus type like look to her that reminds me of, of her from, from Jigo. So I just wanted to yeah. throw that out. I get that. Yeah. Um, the the leaf on the forehead made me think that she was initially in like a tanuki because of the shape shifting ability, mm. but her name is a nari, which is a kitsune. Oh sure. Which are also shapeshifters. Right, right. Um, so like I can totally get that succubus vibe off the kitsune. Yeah. Um, and the part that I thought was really interesting was her last name Aburaya, which mm. means oil merchant. So. If you go back to page 10, the, the, the little old, like the really dapper, scarred up potato head yeah. um, that like <laughs> Dopo is working with, yeah. I thought his name, he looked like a yokai, like one of those like pictures of yokai that was an oil thief. Okay. So I think that he's going to get a little more spotlight when dealing with the Kori Hotels. Yeah, yeah. Just like because that. of the theme within the yokai. Because, like, yeah. stealing oil was basically like stealing someone's electricity back then. Right, right. They were just like, you know, you use it for heating, you use it for everything, you use it for staying warm, cooking your food, every, light, everything. Yeah. Stealing oil was a huge crime. Um, <clears throat> and they blamed it on yokai and, like, mm. harshly punished human perpetrators yeah that feels good because if this dude's an oil thief and old girl from Corey hotel's last name translates to oil merchant then we got you know some potential um yeah i totally yeah. see what you're saying i, 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 I want to like see that um also aburaya is the name of the bathhouse from spirited way studio oh Ghibli. wow so we're gonna get that gangster bathhouse scene yeah that you've been talking about yeah yeah I, i'm hoping i'm yeah. hoping 
Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, that's that's something that I'm looking forward to a lot. Um, yeah, man. Just off, just off word association. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And like, you know, Yuji Kaku seems to be doing a lot with naming conventions in this mm-hmm. series. You know what I mean? You've been you've been doing hella research week to week about a lot of names for characters in general, names of yokai and whatnot. So there's definitely like a planned method to the naming conventions that could um, you know, be foreshadowing for like later narrative events, which is really cool to analyze from week to week with you. So I'm ready to see the fruit of that but uh the only really like okay so the only thing that felt weird to me in this chapter i might as well just get it out here so the the beginning of this chapter he says let's lead maru to the old man until he learns to grab those chestnuts so is this like back in time is this conversation happening before the end of the last chapter because at the last chapter Okay, it it is. Okay. I, I was going to say, it has to, because by the end of the last chapter, he had the chestnuts figured out. He was like, here are your this chestnuts. This is a co-current over. chapter. Okay, yeah, yeah. Time-wise is right. what I'm viewing. Okay. Because by the time he gets a thing, he finishes the chapter without the shirt and yeah. also in different outfit. So, yeah. Because yeah. he had the jogging suit and stuff. Okay. Um. It was just it was just weird because like usually like you know flashbacks or you know going back in time is usually you know indicated by black gutters in 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 manga especially like you know shonen manga I want to say you know maybe mm. maybe it's everywhere maybe it's just like an all around manga thing but like usually they don't um you know skimp on that they're like re- they like stick to that you know what I mean I want to say yeah I think they they they're true Kakuyuji is like Uchikaku yeah. Mm-hmm is treating it less like a flashback and being like here's one panel it's dedicated to like set the scene of where we can expect this to be happening and then all this goes down yeah for sure i'm glad that i brought that up because i was just like no way in hell this man is still learning to grab those chestnuts after the end of last chapter, where he mm-hmm. flexes on the old man, like, here's your chestnuts, brother. I was like, oh, shit, okay, here we go, it's time. And then I start this chapter, like, wait a minute, we're still on the chestnuts. <laughs> so, like, it makes yeah. sense if it, you know, is, like you said, where that chapter happened on, you know, one part of the timeline, and then this chapter starts before the end of that last chapter, just to, like, reiterate certain, or give us, you know, information for the specific moment in time that wasn't able to be given in the last chapter yeah Yeah. um the only thing i want to touch on left is the mayor's name tatsuo yamamori tatsuo translates to like male dragon and yamamori means like guardian mountain so like even his name feels prestigious yeah um and then it makes me wonder like once that's dealt with if there's a dragon, is there a tiger? Like, that is Ooh. a common theme, like, almost tropic at this point. But it's like, you know, it's enmeshed in the culture. Right. So I, I feel like that. And then I was like, who would be a tiger? And part of me is like, a little easy, but like, Moruo, because he Ooh. has so many scars, they're almost like stripes. I like that. I like that a And lot. he's the only human. So like, And he's the only human. Yeah. Okay. So whether, whether that Tatsuo becomes more important as the series goes on or not, 
that remains to be seen, but it's just something to think about. Yeah, hell yeah. Since it's just been introduced. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a good thought to leave the to leave the convo off on for sure. Mm-hmm. That's all you had for uh for Ayashimon this week. That's all there is, folks. Yeah, I think I'm good too. That'll do it for Ayashimon twenty. All right, getting into Sakamoto Days, chapter sixty seven, remote work. Oh boy, what a chapter. Oh man. Heavy action. So much action. Yeah. Uh, I really like the Shania. He's very bland, but like mm-hmm. the concept that surrounds him is so interesting that I'm just like, huh. And it makes you wonder, because like uh, Slur or X's or whatever name we are going with now at this point, because he's been given several yeah. aliases. Yeah. Um, I'm cool with Slur. We can make it Slur for the... Yeah. So, Slur Surgeon made that immortal guy that they fought in the lab, who was like a cyborg, like a hardcore cyborg, full of guns, full of machinery, all that stuff. Wait, why don't I remember that? Um, it was when they went to the lab that Shin was raised and born. Oh, and... oh, you're talking about the deer head dude. Yeah, the deer head guy. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He built a guy who was effectively, uh, wait... Because I remember his face. Yeah. The deer head guy was the cyborg. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Because yeah. I was so like, they, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, they yeah. have this guy. They have cyborg technology. Is Shania like a barely living human being that is just a cyborg with like a few like physical parts to like to mask the presence of it being mostly machine? Oh. Like how much of Shania is actually like a living human being as opposed to a machine with organs. Yeah, that's what I was going to say too cuz it's like it's a it's a it's a completely different situation if it's a cyborg made for virtual remote killing versus a literal person that was given to the rain, the the deer head dude and like augmented in a way that allows for remote yeah, access. Like, you know what I mean? Is he a general grievous? But, like, how much sentience does yeah. Shania have? Yeah. Um, which, to me, is a terrifying concept. That's what I'm saying. Like, That's why it's so different. You know what I mean? If it's just a robot that was built for this, then whatever. But if it's a whole person that got their life and, yeah. and their consciousness jacked, you know, like, for this remote situation, then, like, that's two entirely different situations. It really emphasizes the evil that yeah. Slur and his cohorts represent. Right. And the fact that they're like, yeah, you know, villain organization, everyone's an assassin, who really is in the right, yeah. who has the right to, you know, deem others evil. But like, yeah. uh, you know, it's like, um, to me, autonomy is really important. Right. Like physical autonomy, mental autonomy, like, like, um, uh, whatever the fuck it was called that Britney Spears went through was just oh, absolutely man. fucked. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that like I'm like like all these like really weird laws in Texas that are just like you know what you can't have anything resembling an abortion or it's this or this or mm-hmm. jail time. It's like even a miscarriage; those things happen all the time. It's like, yeah, and it's like. There's a culture in the States where we don't talk about that stuff. But, like, if you go to, like, China or you go to, like, Mexico or something and someone talks about, like, oh, you had an abortion? That's so sad. And they're like, yeah, it's sad. But, like, 
It happens all the time. It's like yeah. losing your favorite pair of shoes. It does happen. Like it's just not to equate the same thing like the right. lightness of a life, but like right, right. it happens with about that level of frequency. You don't lose your shoes very often, but they do occasionally happen. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, like, um, in like in D and D and stuff, I always believe that like enchantment magic. Like I personally don't do like magic that forces someone to do something i want them to do like mm. like suggestion hypnosis yeah. the one the spell like friends where it forces them to be friendly with me mind control magic i don't do i don't really play with that yeah 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 I feel I'll, that. I'll do spells like compelled duel because i'm like well i'm still involved right, but like right. i don't want to do like mind control i yeah, always think you, that's a very it's a very yeah. evil very icky yeah. concept um it, it just bothers me a lot. So Shania is like, okay, is this the sign that, like, how evil this group is, that yeah. they reduced a man into a machine to scout out talent? Yeah. Like, this was a failure of theirs. Someone that they viewed, like recruited, they did not have enough talent. They yeah. were a failure reduced to an object. Gaku is going to take control. Yeah, and it seems like Gaku is like kind of like taking like a, you know, survival of the fittest like approach to it. It's like if you can survive my onslaught, you're probably talented enough to kind of like join our ranks. You know what I mean? He doesn't get he doesn't give a fuck about the game. He instantly took the tail off and said, this is annoying, like whatever. So mm -hmm. like he's he really doesn't care about like what's going on during this exam he's literally just no. there to run up on people attack them and see if they survive and if they do hey do you want to be friends and join our faction how do you respond shit. yeah it's kind of like respond to overwhelming power yeah how do you respond to a viable threat yeah and he's judging them based off that metric yeah. oh because like torimaru um oh, i don't know the the hypochondriac's name um oh this, um it's not Kaji. He's the other special recommendation. It, yeah, uh, I'm I'm drawing a blank. But yeah, Mafuyu. Mafuyu, yes, yeah. yes, Mafuyu. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Mafuyu and Toramaru immediately fight. Shin immediately fights. That puts them all on Gaku's radar. Right. And now he's going to test them. And like it's. This fight was wild. Yeah, They're it's crazy. Instructors. Because he's like sitting there talking to him, you know what I mean? Like while the situation is still unfolding back at the exam, but time kind of mm -hmm. like stops for a moment, you know, like while they have this conversation about VR, this is the era of remote killing, all of a sudden, whoops, I can't move anymore. What the fuck is going on? It's like, look through your heads up display. It's like, can you put my visor back on for me? <laughs> and he's like, all right. And then he puts the visor back down and it goes into the heads up display view. And it's like, they, I love that. Scene yeah. That was just such a five. cool, yeah. Like that was such a cool spread to get. Cause they're like, everyone is just so casual. You know what I mean? Like no matter what's happening, everybody is so stoic that like, they have like all of their emotions like taken from them because of this profession. So like, that's like a really cool dynamic to get where things are like really high octane, high stress, dire situations. And everyone is just like low lid expressions, like another Tuesday type shit yeah. you know what i mean so like that's just a cool vibe to always get in sakamoto days but like even after he activates and he's like oh man i hate school teachers boom fucking like grabs the dude by the neck he's like i got a weapon i was like what does that mean i thought he was gonna squeeze his fucking head off and then fucking like launch the head but no he literally just takes the whole body and fucking slams it 
into everyone in front of them and some people get like ripped apart by this yes like i'm seeing like torn off limbs and shit and i'm like holy shit bro and then dudes like shoot him you know what i mean and then the sniper tries to hit him he blocks him with the fucking body and they're like holy shit this guy's all right and all he turned the page and the head is already right he doesn't even have time to notice it he threw dude right into him and then buddy comes with like the rope with all the blades on it tries Mm -hmm. to get him he fucking like blocks it grabs him by the foot starts swinging him around like a fucking That's chain a real now. yeah and then just skips him like a rock skips him like a rock across the fucking like ravine or whatever slams into the shit head explodes i was like oh my god the choreography is just never ever anything close to a disappointment in sakamoto days i i really love this one where yeah. it's like gaku is so scary like he's yeah. so strong because like we we like since it's been a while like part of me is like oh yeah he did wipe out an entire assassination organization with like two other dudes again like he could do it again like he went toe-to-toe with um oh what's his name takamura the creepy old swordsman yeah like the mumbling swordsman. Uh, he got whooped by that. By like he got no yeah, dip by that, that was, motherfucker. But that was the only dude that could stop him. Yeah, straight up. Straight Literally up. the only dude that could stop him at that point. Um, yeah. So I think it's crazy because like I loved the aspect of they try to restrain him physically. He yep. whips him. They hit him with a gun, sniper rifle, classic assassination. Yes. Doesn't work. They go with like the string weapon, very much like ten ten from Naruto vibes. Yeah. Um, and then he just ignores it. He's like, I don't need a weapon. I just need a body. Yeah. I need to I I'm gonna beat a motherfucker with another motherfucker. Like it's <laughs> like, oh that's yeah. so metal. And it and it makes me like, wonder like what's up with this body that's being used by Gaku. Like this has gotta be the strength of the body he's controlling, right? It's not some kind of like I'm in control of the body now, so all of my strength is this robot, or, you know... It has to be something that they spec'd up to match Gaku. Yeah, something something like that. Yeah, that's the only thing that really makes sense, because it's like, we were talking about... Oh, we were talking about, um, you know, what the situation could possibly be last week you know what i mean mm-hmm. and like how I think, much is gaku how much is shania yeah and 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 we were talking about how we really just need exposition on the technology you know itself before we can really you know be certain of anything but i now that i'm thinking about it now that i got this second chapter it's like it really only makes sense that this actual body is this strong on its own because it's like reflexes sure that can come from gaku but like strength like how could gaku you know, transfer his strength remotely via the 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 headset to this, you know, to this uh, vehicle, Kid. to the vehicle. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And it, and it could, you know, it could happen. You never know what the explanation of the technology is going to be. But, like, I would rather just, like, put stocks into the Shania character than think that the yeah, technology absolutely. can, I mean, can transfer strength arms. and speed. You know what I mean? Like, physical stats being transferred remotely just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me yeah like i think i'm looking at like his like character design looking at like the legs and like feet that he has he has like these weird boots and gloves that like reach deep into his sleeves and the pant legs yeah um i think it's just mechanical arms and legs to be honest sure um 
And then they have like just the, like the heart and stuff in the head so that it has enough electricity to transfer the nervous controls to the rest of the body. Sure. Um, and then also to be able to pass like a physical exam and like, I'm a real person. Yeah. Like, Ooh, there you go. Sign yeah, me yeah, up. Yeah, for sure. Like, sign me up. I'm here to take the physical exam. Donate blood. Cool. There's a little like tube built into the arm that like, brings blood from the heart and stuff. Yeah. That kind of thing. Um, Cause how else are they going to sneak a drone of a man right. into there? Um, the part that I thought was really interesting was when Toromaro and Mafuyu like counterattack. Okay. So Mafuyu is, wait, 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 wait. Is it, uh, the mask oh. kid? Yeah. That's Mafuyu. Yeah. 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 Okay. I believe so. If yeah, we're wrong, I think that's right. Feel free to correct us in the comments. Yeah, for uh, sure. Respectfully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Please. It's the internet, but like, I got feelings. Yeah. <laughs> um, delicate soul, baby. Like, be yeah. nice to me. <laughs> Funny as hell. Yeah. Or it's um, Kaji. Maybe it's Kaji. No, Kaji is the one that was really shy and really had like shy. a little, like, the, the classic, like, Winter hat that like yeah. stoner kid, sto white stoner kids had in college. Yeah, the Fargo you know I mean? hat. Yeah, the Fargo hat. There yeah. we go. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So Masuyu so like, is the hypochondriac. Yeah. Yeah, with like the the boot heels of doom. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like on page seventeen, Gaku impacts the ground mm -hmm. as if he's reacting to a physical force, right. which I find really interesting that there's like you know, that reaction. The ground breaks around his feet. I didn't even notice that. Mm -hmm. so, so wait that was... a minute. So if he, if force can be transferred from the body to Gaku in this remote location, then it's not totally outside the realm of possibility that his physical stats are transferred to the vehicle that he's yeah. operating, I guess. Or is this just... um a moment of like suspension of disbelief for the sake of manga and this effect of like for the effect the sake of effect sure. right like i feel like it's more in that per sure. se because just to it be could like, totally be that i want to say you don't go out of your way to to show this detail in the floor this way unless there was like a rational explanation that's tied into the exposition related to this vr technology which mm. we could get or we might not get. You know, it's Sakamoto days. It's half yeah. a comedy. You never know, you know, like how deep they're going to go, you know, in any one concept when, you know, your series is half comedy. Yeah. But, There's yeah. always a level of um, wacky physics. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. mean, we've, we've watched Sakamoto literally slim down and back again. Yeah, like, that's right. That's right. Like, conservation of mass means nothing here. Yeah, yeah. No physics. Hold no sway here yeah. today, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. Um, but like I do think that's a really interesting example of like hmm how does that work but I do appreciate that fact because it really translates the whole what's happening mm -hmm. nice yeah. like Gaku's not even worried he's just like huh good for them yeah <laughs> he ain't uh, sweating it the part that was like really interesting to me is that like once the Gaku robot starts like really turning up on everybody and killing people mm -hmm. You got the examiner that's like, well, there goes the test. Save yourselves. You've got your whole futures ahead of you. And, like, that says so much about this international assassination, you know, um, uh, faction, 
you know, alliance, whatever, you know, like the term is yeah. for it. You know what I mean? Like that these people who, you know, make a living off of killing others, which you which makes you assume that they don't really value other lives to a great deal to go out of their way and sacrifice themselves for the sake of the next generation, the next, you know, up upcoming greenhorns. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it's, it's just cool. Like it adds depth to the situation and it's like a really cool contrast. That's like, Hey, how can you kill multiple people a day? But like are so adamant as like a school teacher would be about protecting, you know, the mm -hmm. young upstarts underneath you, you know what I mean? And like, that was just like really cool to get that there. Cause it kind of like challenges you know, your outlook on assassination, which I'm sure was the intent of, you know, of the creator to, to introduce dynamics like these. And then you turn the page and everyone's like, all right, Shin, let's get out of here. And he's like, nah, I'll catch up with y'all. If I can't step up and fight now, then I'll never see a future where I'll get stronger. And then going back to the point that I was making about this examiner caring a lot about the future, you know, uh, generation of assassins, he instant, like, you'd think that he would go, oh man, this kid's different, you know, like I was expecting like some kind of line of dialogue from the examiner, like, yeah, this kid's got what it takes. But he instantly goes like, no, you're dumb as hell. You're the type, <laughs> you're the type, who's, to, you're die the type to die young, you know, fucking around with oh, this assassin I shit. Like it ain't a shit. game like that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. OK, it's just like so like it, it, there's just I just feel so many layers inside of the amount of mm -hmm. thought and depth that you know, the creator of this of this series has put into this job, this role, you know, that is the main focus of this world. You know what I mean? It feels so thorough. It feels so thoughtful. You know what I mean? I do like that particular examiner. Like, mm -hmm. he's just like, you got your whole lives ahead of you. Just run. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're not going to listen to me? Yeah, you're the type to die early. Yeah, <laughs> like, y'all like, are dumb. You're, you're, stupid. You're, yeah, you're That's a dumbass. Yeah, whoops. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. See ya. <laughs> I tried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did my diligence. Right, right. Um, and, like, even the other examiner that Gaku just shredded. Yeah, dude. Wow. He was like, there's two fundamental qualities of a good assassin. Love and discipline. And I was like, that doesn't really make sense. Okay, <laughs> you, you tell yourself whatever you need to to sleep at night. I yeah, guess. for real. <laughs> you know? And then Gaku's just like, that's bullshit. You're yeah. a I'm going to use you. It's It's just such a cool, you know, situation to have in a story about you know, literal contract killers, that there is such a, you know, deep and like respected culture among them. You know what I mean? Like you're a part of our, you know, way of life. We'll go out of our way to protect you to the best of our abilities. But as soon as you show like any amount of weakness that lets me know that you're not worth saving, then I don't have any second yeah. thoughts. You can go ahead and well, die it's, for it's all like, I care. Um... <laughs> the concept of like honor among thieves right type it's like shit, you, yeah. you don't steal from those in the business so like yeah. hey you you had shittier circumstances and like you're trying to make a living by stealing yeah. you're not gonna rob other thieves that are also trying to make a living mm -hmm, and survive mm -hmm. any way they can yeah it's why um like i was watching a series really good western actually called the harder they fall starring mm. idris elba and a couple other people nice um it was like an all almost pretty much like 90 percent black western nice and there was an element where they were just like there's these bank robbers and they get ambushed and they're like you're robbing us and they're like you don't know who you're messing with and he's like yeah we don't rob banks we rob you and people <laughs> are like we don't really see a difference and they're like yeah. no no you fucked up our boss is gonna kill you yeah, it's not yeah. about the banks <laughs> <laughs> it's deeper than that 
<laughs> Yo. Yeah, no, I think it's really funny. Um, the only thing I have left to say, like, beautiful fights. Um, I love the choreography and, like, the, the speed that this has been, like, given. You know, like, right. the impact and speed that was shown off in this series. I love the little, like, VR headset. Like, what does Gaku see? Yes. Kind of thing. I love that little window into his, his kind of viewpoint. Helps so much for immersion. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, to get, Just like, like, first person views of things. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, the whole Shania eating a sandwich, because invisible sandwich, because Gaku's eating. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that's cool. Okay. So he truly is a puppet in the absolute sense of the word. Yeah, that was really um, cool. It's those little details like that. Um, the only thing I have to say beyond that is page 15, when Shin's like, I'm going to step up and die young. <laughs> Toromaru responds. Yeah. And Mafuyu responds. Mm -hmm. So now I wonder what their... Like, we know a little bit about their personalities, mm -hmm. but mostly on the side of how flawed they are. Yeah. But, like, I want to see how their personalities are good. You know? Like, yeah. solid. Yeah. What redeemable qualities that they have now that they're putting their lives on the line for the sake of others instead of, yeah. you know, just themselves is to this, advance their position in this exam. Yeah. Is this the 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 new generations, like, big three kind of thing? Like, mm. the beginning of the, like, the next generations of big three? Because they're talking about, like, oh, yeah, you got your whole lives ahead of you. You know, Sakamoto was always viewed with this, these people. And so now, like, is Shin, like, on his way to being on the level. Yeah, they're like, like making this like is a the beginning new of order or whatever clique. the name of their yeah. the name of their faction is. I think it's called the order, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. there's always going to be like in each generation there's always going to be those rising stars. Mm -hmm. Is this the beginning of the new rising stars of the assassination generation Hell of yeah. that particular generation? I like that thought a lot actually. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing that I had was on this last spread on 18 and 19. I don't remember. Let me know if you do. But uh, Toromaru's pupils are like crosses. Is that um, is that new, or did we did we get that's that? That's something that was kind of there before. Okay, just not super detailed. Yeah, um, I'm about to just go back through. It wasn't always the focus, quick. but she yeah. did sometimes when she was like high energy. Yeah, I'm about to peep right now. Yeah, I do not. Okay, no, you can on the page nine of the last chapter. You can kind of see the crosses, but they're. It's definitely like so low detail that you like mm. definitely probably miss it uh, uh, yeah. up until this chapter. Yeah. At least I it for seems, sure did. Yeah. It seems to be a sign to me of heightened emotion. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I wonder if we're going to get any more for that. You know what I mean? I, I definitely, you know, like Shonen, you know, stories and eyes, you know, like special eyes are like a Always. big thing, you know what I mean, inside of this area of, of, of manga storytelling. So. Whenever I notice, like, you know, different, unique, quirky, like, eye details, I'm like, what's that going to turn into? But, yeah. So I just wanted to point that out. But it does look like that was there prior to this chapter. If, like, really vague and in the background, it's still, you know, what's yeah, kind it's of subtle detail. Easy to, easy to miss. But it seems a lot more, you know, pronounced and vivid um, in this chapter on this last page. So I'm excited to see what happens with that. But mm -hmm. that's about all I had for Sakamoto this week, though. Yeah, same. All right, cool. All right, moving into Mission Yozakura Family, 
Mission 126, My Precious Family. How do we feel? Pretty straightforward chapter this week. I thought so too, but like, it's important for like, Koichiro. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm really glad that this is the direction that the series was taking because we were talking about how many death flags there were for him. Mm -hmm. And like, I like that they're not following through on that trope and like, going down the same path but then finding a detour along the way that follows like in fiction sense yeah follows like the fictional logic right there's an alternative way out from like the dark the dark path oh yeah um so like i appreciate that a lot i think that that's important to like occasionally subvert um expectation and trope yeah, and, and not in a type. way that makes it feel like a death that was faked out. You know what I mean? Like you don't, yeah. you can, you can allude to, you know, you can give as many death flags as you want to a character, yeah. but like if you never actually, you know, um, if you never actually like hit the gas follow. on that and follow through with it, you know what I mean? Like that's totally fine. You know what I mean? Like, ooh, we thought it was a death flag, but it actually wasn't. That's leaps and bounds better than making you think that this character is legitimately dead and then kind of taking, a taking it back. panel and yeah. then yoink, psych. Right. Um, right. So, um, so I appreciate the direction as well. You know what I mean? I was pretty confident that Kyoichiro wasn't going to die. And who knows? He still could. You know what I mean? Like, I, I you know, like his, the, the, this stretch of storytelling definitely isn't over. I feel pretty confident that Kyoichiro will survive and that the entire family will be, you know, together and totally fine by the end of the series. You know what I mean? So I, I don't think that the story can really end another way, at least not right now. Hitsuji Kandaira can do, you know, whatever, and it'll be, you know, crazy, and we can talk about it when it happens. But I just get mm. the vibe from Yozakura family that it's the kind of story that will end with all of the family members intact. You know what I mean? That's just, like, I feel strongly about that. I'm going to feel that way until I get my mind blown by some death, if it ever happens. You yeah. know what I mean? So I like that about Yozakura family because it's like, when I'm the most confident that characters will survive and then they're taken away, it like makes it that much more impactful. And it's a better situation than me going, okay, is a character going to die thinking that they're going to die and then it not happening. Not that it's like the biggest deal in the world that characters don't die when I'm expecting them to, but I just prefer the former situation a lot better. Well, yeah, because like, like these characters were emotionally invested in and like, we genuinely enjoy these characters. Like we don't want the people that we like to die. Right. Um, yeah. If I if I think so, it makes sense for a character to die and they don't, most of the time I'm going to be pretty dumb, pretty bummed about it for one reason or another. Yeah. But if I'm positive a character is safe and then they die, that's always just like rarely a Oof. negative situation. I want to say. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's always just like holy shit, you really did that. So. Yeah, you committed. Uh, yeah. Like, Goddamn. Right. Um, so what? So on the idea of the ending of the series and mm-hmm. like they all live. Mm-hmm. Watching like pages four, five, and six and seven, and how the Sakura are intermingling and redoing. What if there is like Subomi clan does this thing because like. 
Koichiro is talking about how, like, it's more than just me. It's more right. than Mutsumi. It's about the eradication of Yozakura, period. Right. Eradicating all of them off the face of the earth. So, like, does Subomi, is Subomi a nihilist that doesn't want immortality, but more just wants to end the existence of the Yozakura? Like, a person that is, like, nihilistic in the sense that, like, our bloodline will always be abused and used and coveted and sh like scared for their lives or have to be vicious and fight all the time merely for the privilege of existing. Mm. I want to get rid of it all. That'd be I want that'd, to reset the slate. That's really interesting because I was going to bring up in this review, like I can't wait to see like what the true bottom line motivations are for Subomi. You know what I mean? Because like this whole situation is very crazy. We thought we knew what was going on at one point, then we then crazy subversions happened, and now we're going down a completely different route. Yeah. And I just want to see where it all stems from, finally. You know what I mean? And your your input right now about how, you know, the potential motivations for Subomi at the bottom line, that's just a really cool situation that I think I am now subscribed because, like, to. As we started as, the yeah. series with, like, Mitsumi getting kidnapped. Yeah. Because they want, people wanted the Yozakura ability, and it's a coveted thing. So, like, That's it right. makes sense for Subomi to be like, I am tired of this greedy, covetous world. I right. want to get rid of the thing that they are all striving for. I want yeah. to get rid of it. And that'd be crazy if such um, a malevolent force, you know what I mean, deep down underneath all the layers had a very, you know, wholesome kind of mm, i don't know a wholesome is the real reason. Word. yeah but like just to find out that they're doing it for the sake of like establishing a sense of like just eradicating the the, the idea that the yozakura family is always going to be used and sought after to be used for their abilities and wanting to just eradicate that and just like free the family from a lifestyle like that like that's fucked up because it means that everybody would have to die everyone's dead but like yeah but like you having like that idea at the root of your motivations despite what crazy evil ways after effects that can cause yeah and like whatever like shysty shitty things you have to do to accomplish that just knowing that it comes back to that goal makes the situation like that much more you know have that much more of a moral blur on it you know what i mean because yeah. it's like, hey, yeah, we don't like your methods here. I get the vision. I see your message. But you're totally trying to do, like, the right thing the wrong way. You know you're what I mean? You're trying to kill me. I don't, I can't agree yeah. with it. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, exactly. No matter what your intent is, your execution is fucked up. You know what I mean? And yeah. I like motivations like that inside of antagonistic or villainous forces because it forces the, 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 the reader to kind of challenge their outlook yeah. on, like, what morality looks like in this series you know or in any and series I think, you know i think that's really important um yeah the one thing i was thinking about there was this point where they're going over the movies right their favorite mm -hmm. movie yeah and how mitsumi and um tayo were talking about their favorite movie being this movie where they struggle and struggle and eventually they die together mm -hmm. um part of me thinks that like Combining the idea of what Tsubomi, I believe what Tsubomi wants, this, plus the fusion of the flowers and overriding it, there could be a moment where Tsubomi gets what she wants, so she believes, but they, I imagine, what if they reverse engineer the abilities that they use, right, to, like, regenerate, and a whole new strain of Yozakura 
survives and regenerates the the family that we've come to love. Mm. So oh. like blank slate, zero sum game. Everyone dies, everyone loses. But you know, like after a winter in the spring, new sakura trees bloom, mm. and then things regenerate. Yeah, I was thinking about like the possibility because like when we when we got the confirmation in this chapter that like confirmed like our idea and probably a lot of other people who follow the series idea that Tayo's blooming directly counters Kyoichiro's new blooming. You know what I mean? The way that uh, Yeah, the Shibobi poison bloom. Yeah, I can't remember the name of this like white haired character in the ball cap that's like really good friends with uh, uh, Kyoichiro. Yeah, I just call him the president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The president. There we go. Um because cause we were talking about it as soon as like we got the uh, the chapter where you know him and Tayo have their conversation like ever since then the ideas were kind of like coming that like he knew that you know Tayo's blooming would be a good you know counter or you know at least a good fight Mix. against Kyoichiro's new situation so it's cool to get a confirmation on that in this chapter to see how their bloomings interact with each other but like there's always this thought in the back of my mind that like yeah even though this kind of fell into place like a puzzle like, what if Tsubomi was, had, had all of this accounted for as well? There's always the possibility that, you know, Tayo uh, and Kyoichiro's, you know, situation here was, you know, planned for and thought of by Tsubomi. And maybe they want this confrontation to happen so that their bloomings do mix to create some new level of strain or whatever that was totally and entirely accounted for by Subomi, and this is just like activating another leg of that master plan. I think that that would be really crazy. That too. seems way to me. I'm sorry. Could you could you say that one more it's time? Your like, your wow, inter- like, hold on. You gotta oh, you gotta run that back because your internet kind of dropped out for a moment. Uh, for me, it's like that seems like a level of five headed. That seems almost too much. Sure, like sure. Sosuke Aizen kind of level right, preparation. Right. I'm like, that's insane. Mm-hmm. That doesn't like. I was just like, like I could see yeah. it because you know, mastermind, big brain villain. Yeah, it's ancient and evil, and like you know, is always constantly scheming, etc. Understanding the weaknesses of sympathy, etc. Right, right. You know, things that have no place in the world of assassins. Right, but like. But all of this um, stems from Subomi. Like, what's happening to Kyoichiro stems from Subomi. Mm-hmm. What's happening to Tayo stems from Subomi. So why wouldn't Subomi know how these two bloomings interact with each other if they yeah. both come from her? You know what I mean? So Yeah. Um, I still think about... Because I remember I mentioned it last time where mm-hmm. we were talking about, like, she's not accounting for Tayo's different bloodline. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were saying there, that last week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, did you ever read a series called American Vampire? No, it's I It's like didn't. a regular Western comic. But it was the idea that, like, old school vampires that are weak to wooden stakes and garlic and stuff, um, they were a strain. And then when vampirism crashed across the United States, it created a new breed of vampire that was only weak to gold. Mm. Wow, that's the and premise. So, huh? I remember a couple of my people were reading that. Uh, spoilers, sorry. Guys. Last year or uh, a couple months ago. <laughs> oh, no, whatever. I mean, who knows how old it is now at this point. But Yeah, like, it's, it's been out for a while. But yeah. like, that, was, that was one of the core biological premises behind yeah. the story. And I quite liked it. It was a great... That's tight. I, I like that. Yeah, I remember you yeah. talking about it last week. You were like, well, Tayo is like 
kind of like an outlier in this entire situation because he wasn't born a Yozakura. He was married in. Yeah, he's and a then, craft. Yeah, and then injected with, you know, Mutsumi's blood later. So, like, the the plan of Subomi, you know, might not have been factoring in Tayo as, yeah. you know, an anomaly or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, we were talking about that last It makes me wonder week. what the president uh, knows and yeah. like what the president expects right. because I know they hyped him up to be like this like biological super genius that's mm-hmm. like taking everything into account and combining all of it like a human supercomputer yeah. but at the same time like how does he know that Tayo will fix him right um, or is it just the idea like he expects Tayo to fix him because he knows a little bit about the Subomi problem yeah. and has like a good idea of what's going on and understands Koichiro's mentality right. and why he's willing to throw himself away for the sake of the family. He's like, nah, my friend's being stupid. Go fix him. Right. Like, Don't beat his ass for me. Give him a hug. Yeah. Uh, tell him he's being stupid. Yeah, and I was talking so, about it last week. Too. Oh, no, keep going. Sorry. Thought you were. Uh, no, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, page 14, right? Um, you know, Kyoichiro's inner monologue. If I, dec- if I disclose that to you, you all would probably try even harder to help me. Perhaps that power of yours might be able to heal me, but we don't know what's waiting for us. So, like, th- I got to this page and I'm like, okay, here is kind of the reasoning for why Kyoichiro didn't want to say anything to anyone, despite how ridiculously easy it would be to just deliver a line of dialogue to your family before you disappear into a cloud of smoke and run away you can still run away distance yourself from them but just let them know what's going on because there's literally no reason why you wouldn't at least any reason that i could think of so i thought that there it was potentially hituji gondaira writing kyoichiro out of character for the sake of plot progression but this chapter you know kind of gives us more insight into you know kyoichiro's reasoning for doing what he does and it just confirms this is a flaw of his character he's doing way more than he needs to and doing something dumb because he thinks it's what he needs to do at the time because he's just like that big brother that puts the world on his back and like yeah he's that dedicated needs to do yeah it's Um, just him like thinking you know overthinking the situation and like making like poor decisions based on his new current situation that is like entirely new and fucked up and you know like oh my god what do i do protect my family don't tell them shit just run away if i tell them anything they're gonna try that much harder to come get me like it all feels so much better now you know to me than it did before you know what i mean so i'm glad that I I feel the way that I do now. And I'm sorry yeah. for doubting Hitsuji Gondaira for any moment. Um, <laughs> I actually think it's... It, I'm glad that you touched on the same thing that mm-hmm. I was kind of going towards, mm-hmm. where it's his level of obsession and dedication to whatever he does, yeah. um, regardless of how annoying he is or how uh, thick-headed he can be. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's like, you know, it's hard to tell an oldest sibling anything about anything right of like hey man you're you're acting out of pocket like come on right um but i think that his mentality is formed by the very thing that sabomi would try to get rid of right they are enmeshed in a culture of assassination he is doing what he considers the logical thing the proper thing that an assassin would do i need to do damage control. I need to do damage mitigation. And that is why he's allowing himself to die. 
And so, like, that is exactly the kind of reason, like, lifestyle pushed on the children of the Yozakura family that I believe Subomi is trying to eradicate. But she's like, my family will, like, this family will never be happy in this thing. So I will literally get rid of the family. Right. And I'm just like, ah, I can't agree with it. But, like, I see where you're coming from. And that yeah. makes a compelling villain. No. Oh, 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 you're talking about Subomi. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah but, yeah. like, also, like, I feel like Koichiro makes sense. His reasoning makes sense from the perspective of an assassination who is trained to be logical, efficient, and, like, decisive you know i'm i'm kind of like on the opposite of that i think it makes less sense you know for an assassin of that magnitude to not give important information to his team you know what i mean like even if you want to carry i think it's more of like a eldest sibling you know taking on too much responsibility as the reason why he didn't communicate with them more because if it was just cold calculating assassin even if he thought he was going to die like i can see him being like yo this is my situation this is everything you guys need to know i'm out of here i'm dying i'm crumbling to dust but do everything you can with the situation to get back at Tsubomi or continue living or protect the bloodline whatever whatever i think it makes more sense for him to give them all the information that they need if we're looking at it as like a cold yeah. calculating assassin kind of thing the only way it makes sense is if you consider Kyoichiro just overcompensating for what he feels are the weaknesses inside of himself and the family to take uh, this entire it, burden on himself and not disclose anything to anyone for the reasoning that he obviously gave in this chapter. So taking everything on to himself is basically his Hamartia. Like that is his fatal flaw yes. as a person. I'm viewing like the whole damage mitigation as the lens of, through the lens of like his assassin training, but mm -hmm. like what drives that thinking is his fatal flaw of taking everything on to himself. Right. Even though he's viewing it all through the lens of what an assassin would think. Right, right. Yeah, no, that, yeah, uh, that was well put. There we Fuck go. yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the choreography in this exchange is so good, man. Like, it feels epic. From like 15 all the way to like and there's even another spread before that where they really stance up where tayo's cutting on page 10 and 11 or tayo's cutting up all the fucking strings and shit and you know and then and then kyoichiro's got the steel spider like you know whipped up you know what i mean like that's just such a good spread 10 and 11 like just the perspective on it is just like so dope and then from like yeah from fucking 14 all the way to the end of oh, the chapter I loved 14 is just so that was good. great I really liked uh, Koichiro's stance on page nine. It's like, I know what you're thinking, but I won't let you lay a finger on me. And the way he's just like crouched, he's kind of slinking, but like, yep. it's like um, a little cat-like. Yeah. The way that he's crouched up, he's like, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm loose. I'm relaxed. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm giving you less surface area to interact with by crouching down. <laughs> You know what I mean? And and creating a, a lower center of gravity and just a smaller target for Tayo to put his hands on. And when you say that it's very cat-like defense, it reminds me of the way that Pito was protecting Komugi from Gon in the Chimera Antarctic. She almost took this exact same stance in defense mode when trying to, yeah. to keep Komugi from Gon. So 
Yeah, and it you're gives spitting. him the impression that he's ready to pounce. Yes, like jump forward. Right, that kind of thing. I love yeah. that. Um, yeah, straight up. But despite all the flashiness and like the skill that Kuichiro has, it's kind of sad. Like page sixteen, he's like, you know, the threads are so feeble. I never thought they were his. Yeah, like to think his threads have gotten this weak. I was like, oh shit, because it did make sense. I was like, wait a minute, if Kyo, if Kyoichiro, yeah, I was like, if Kyoichiro is trying his hardest, how is Tayo being so effective right now? Like, how is he breaking the hold of these threads and just bursting through this defense that he's never been a match for up until this point? And then boom, the threads are fucking weakening because Kyoichiro is like on his last legs right now, and it's like, yeah. oh man, that adds like a new layer to this entire situation with that information i love it because it equalizes the playing field in a way that makes sense yeah um yeah straight up the only thing i have left to talk about really is i love the last scene where unlike a regular fight he literally lets go of his weapon yes. and embraces the person he's fighting with right and, and now we know like, that like awesome. this is the I end of that. the fight. It doesn't come down to an attack landing. It doesn't come down to anything like that. It's I threw my weapon I've away. I subdued you. It yeah. doesn't have to do anything with that. It's like, hey, come here. I've reached yeah. you. Yeah. That's the win condition. Yeah. Full embrace. No weapon. Gotcha. Kyoichiro is probably not going to fight anymore after this. Like he's probably going to be like, all right, bro, you got it. Like you did it. You know what I mean? You reached me. And now the ball is in your court. We're doing things the Yozakura family way. At least is what I want to, you know, at least what I think yeah. will be the next chapter. Yeah, I feel like this is the moment that teaches him humility. Yeah. And like, maybe gets him on a better path to that. And it's, then... it's going back to like, you know, fictional character wants and needs. The character starts out, you know, with goals and motivations that are tied to a very selfish want, what they think they need in life. And then, you know, a life lesson comes through that shows them what they actually need that makes them look back on that prior want and go, I never needed that. This is what I need now. You know what I mean? It's just like basic character arc structure, but like the execution on it is everything, even though you can tie it back to a very, um, you know, easy to explain thing, kind of like the way I just did. It's still the way that you execute on that foundation, that those building blocks is what makes an, a spectacular character arc. And the fact that Kyoichiro has been so enigmatic up until this point where now we're getting all of this pathos and we're getting all of this deepening and further fleshing out of his character, it like it makes this kind of moment feel like it could just be so epic next chapter if it really does kind of fall into, you know, the want need structure of regular character arcs to then yeah. bring it back to something so basic after having such a complicated enigmatic start to the character arc just makes that execution slap that much harder on such a basic premise i appreciate that they like kept on the whole mysteriousness part until these recent chapters where we are getting pure unfiltered thoughts from right. kuichiro's perspective which is like a very rare moment yes so like that purposeful choice makes a lot of these scenes more impactful absolutely man that's uh that's all i got for this chapter yeah man very straightforward chapter um i'm glad that we were able to get as much as we got out of it i mean there was a lot of you know Ichiro introspection that could be uh dived into you know what i mean and obviously 
the perseverance of Taya was like a major thing too. But I really like the conversation that we had about like the potential true motivations of Subomi. And I can't wait to see, you know, whatever comes from that. See if we were spot on, if we were totally off, whatever. But let us know in the comments what you think like the bottom line, true objective of Subomi is. That'd be a cool conversation to have down yeah. there. But all right, that'll do it for Yozakura this week. Good shit. All right, getting into the final chapter of the night, Jujutsu Kaisen, chapter 181, Tokyo number two, Colony, part one. What a chapter we have here. Double color page, got the inside color page, then the spread. Love them both. Holy shit. Um, the part that I thought was like immediately interesting to me in these color pages, so the one thing I thought was really interesting is like the, the tiling for the table for Ooh, the yeah is splotchy yeah. similar to the the color like the the drops of blood that like blood splatter pattern that the uh colony game started with Ooh, the colony game started with sure. so i like a little of like no matter where you are there's still a touch of this and that yeah yeah i i originally just looked at it and was like oh okay that's pretty cool detail on the famica you know or the or the, yeah. or the, the granite or whatever this table yeah, is like yeah, made yeah. Of. I, I definitely didn't draw a connection there but that's really and cool it reminded me of that yeah and then uh on the next page if like i love uro and Uro's so Ryo, hot, Ryo's dude, art oh dude their art both of them are just like handsome as shit yeah hello sweet pea <laughs> oh kitty baby dude i love how like uro's got this like left eye lopez almost like tlc like salt and pepper like kind of like outfit yeah. on you know what i'm saying it's dude, very i love like, her outfit yeah like, she looks so much <sighs> like it's crazy that like her character design initially was just so like provocative, but in a way like that wasn't emphasized at all. Yeah. Um, but like I love her like casual wear. Yeah, very uh very very early two thousands R and B singer or or group kind of uh fashion aesthetic to me. <laughs> I'm about it. Yeah. Uh, she, very like uh, Shakira, Shakira, hips don't lie kind of type uh, shit. Yeah, and yeah. I'm just like, ah, oh, be still my heart. Yeah, and then uh, Ishigori with the bomber jacket and like the chain. You know what I'm saying? With like the baggy, you know, pants oh, yeah. and shit. Like, very, I need a new uh, fit. I, I, I found my aesthetic right there. There you go. Um, <laughs> hey, I could see you rocking this, no cap. And he's even got like the hair down and shit. You know what I'm saying? So. I see you yeah. in Ishigori right now. <laughs> um, so the mural in the background, the painting. Yeah. If you squint at it, it looks like um, like the cursed dolls that they had, like the the cursed babies, like the the blood brothers. Oh, like, the, the, the cursed the, wound like death shrunken heads. Yeah, the death. It looks paintings. like shrunken heads. Yeah. It looks like the death paintings. Oh a wow. Bit. And I was like, ooh. Because, like, I look at it, and I, I can see, like, the furrowed brow, the, like, withered eye sockets. Yeah, a little like, the bit. sewn mouths. And it's just yeah. like, is that a death painting? It seems like a death I painting. wouldn't put it past Gege to put, like, some kind of, like, message in this, like, very background, you know, or uh, very easy to, you know, kind of overlook background. You know what I'm saying? Like, Gege likes to put little visual details you know, like in certain spots, like it took forever for everybody to realize that like in that one cover where Jogo is shoving all of the 
the the cursed fingers down Yuji's throat in the Shibuya incident arc. There was that cover that like has his hand over Yuji's mouth with Yuji's you know head tilted back while he's feeding it to him, and like in the texture like design on his outfit in the screen to like like yeah like in the screen tones there were just finger silhouettes all in his core it took Uh, yeah yeah, it took people forever to like notice shit like that you know what i'm saying so like i could totally see gege being like hey look at this like blurry mess of like a mosaic painting in the background here like totally overlook that and then when you come back through it a second time maybe you'll notice like the hidden message that i put in here i feel like they totally be on that so that's a cool spot Yes. If that is um, a thing. So, I want to frame the next page, page four. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think that this is Sakuna talking oh, page about five. Stuff. Yeah, page five, page five. Yeah, yeah. So, I think that it is Sakuna talking to the Uro of the past. Like, like these are both Sakuna and Uro having a conversation in the past where he's talking down to Uro, saying, you've you're living, like, because Uro is talking about how, like, I've always done what I needed to do. I lived for others. I wasn't given a name until I was given a name just to die, to be executed for the sins of my group. Um, right. And I feel like Sakuna is telling her, it's like, you're reaching your limit. You know, you need to disregard everything, like a calamity. And then Uro's remembering that. And Ishigori on page six is saying, you're so- too soft to Kotsu. And then, panel below, Uro said the same thing, and so I think that's that's the that's the framing of how I want to understand. Oh sure, I uh, totally didn't pages. even think of that that possibility at all. I mean, like the fact that Yuta is literally seems to be reacting to what's said in the superimposed like you know dialogue that we get, you know, in on page five. I think I thought that this entire time was just their, the conversation with Ishi, Ishigori and Yuta. And Yuta only just now started responding on page six. I thought that this was like an Ishigori monologue that just so happened to be relevant to Uro as well as Yuta. So I see it as a conversation between Yuta and Ishigori that it just so happens to be referencing Uro and Sukuna technically. Yeah, but I, I, yeah. I viewed it as uh, a Sakuna talking to Uro and yeah. then that influencing what she said off screen to. Mm. A sure, sure. Let us um, know in the comments what what interpretation you guys are are fucking with there. I like the idea that I like the idea of what you're talking about right now. I just hadn't considered it at all, and I still think that it makes more sense that Yuta and Ishigori are having a conversation. But you always have such a really cool perspective on things, and a lot of the times it ends up being like what you said, even though it was like off the wall, <laughs> like odd man outtake. You know what I mean? So like, I'm here for it if that's what's going on here. But I wanted I, to, I feel, yeah. Because, like, Sakuna has always talked about, like, you know, surpassing the limits of a curse. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, you're just a cursed spirit. Oh, you're a cursed spirit, but you don't know what cursed power is. Right, kind right. Kind of thing. He talks about limits. He talks about surpassing things. And Sakuna himself was described as a calamity. Right. So, like, it made sense for me that way. Plus, like, Ishigori's dialogue mm-hmm. doesn't really kind of encapsulate that kind of vocabulary and delivery yeah so no, I, like, I feel it that could be him it could be him yeah i but like that it just didn't quite sit with me right yeah no that's really fucking cool um i want to um, talk about the difference in translation here real quick though because there's actually like quite a big difference in a couple like 
really important points of dialogue from the fan scan to please the do i actually avoided uh any spoilers oh right okay okay yeah. well yeah in the fan translation like just on this sakuna page for example you know in in the official it says you're reaching your limit i've seen it what surpasses the horizons of sorcerers cursed spirits and strong fighters is overwhelming aggression that disregards all else like a calamity but then if you go to the fan translation it says you're the one who will reach your limit i've seen it all before sorcerers cursed spirits it doesn't matter the only ones who are able to transcend beyond being merely strong are those with an overwhelming sense of self and a complete disregard for others natural disasters and like the the different point that i kind of wanted to focus on was this first dialogue bubble on the Sukuna panel because on the official it says overwhelming aggression and in the fan translation it says are those with an overwhelming sense of self and i feel like i prefer the tcb you know translation to the official because i feel like it goes more in line with like a lot of the like reversed the reverse buddhist kind of like dialogue yeah. and concepts and and angles that gege akutami has been taking in this series with characters like sakuna and toji and gojo there's always it's like a eloquent. buddhist yeah like a like a very eloquent poetic like buddhist link to those characters in you know previous dialogue and then in this you know official translation for this chapter it's just like i don't get that sense of self you know like ego you know kind of um yeah kind of dialogue it's just overwhelming aggression that disregards all else like a calamity and that's totally fine that that fits the bill with sakuna as well like all of this shit makes sense in the official no problem but i think i just prefer the the unofficial instance, translation yeah. just because it 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 re you know triggers that that um that feeling of oh this is being tied back to buddhism in some way i i really like that because it touches on how uro had no sense of self right right, right. she is like you know I, I i i i fulfilled my purpose yeah but it was a purpose given to her by others right by her organization so yeah. like that's really cool and i really appreciate it and also, that ties back and that ties into the conversation on seven where like you know he's like hey you know or youth is like there's nothing i could have said to her whatever i'd say would lead to violence because i'm blessed and ishigori's like oh really i don't get it and it's like well like yuta is clearly you know got more going on than uro does uro has fought her whole life to feel like she means something and then here comes this kid who's just blessed with everything it's like yeah, yeah knowing that it's like there's nothing i can say to her she's going to see me as a privileged kid who she needs to take down to prove something to herself no matter what just because we lead in to entirely different lives and she kind of might be jealous of my situation considering her yeah. upbringing so like that's kind of like how i took it it's like no matter what i say to her we're going to start throwing hands because she she thinks it's not fair that i have the status that i do versus her and her upbringing so nothing i'm gonna say is gonna reach her because she doubts the validity of all my claims based on the inequality of our circumstances boom there you go beautifully said uh, like it's it's like 
it's like sometimes the rich kids that talk about like, oh yeah, you know, I I, I put myself through school, la da 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 da. You know, I built my own business and stuff, and I'm just like, what does that mean to me? I'm homeless. I'm eating fucking chicken bones out the fucking yeah, garbage like, every I, fucking I, day. I I lived uh for months off fucking rice and fried onions. Okay, right, like right. like I was like. Like, and the thing is, my great-grandfather was a millionaire, like a literal self-made millionaire in China, like, before the communists took over and, like, did the whole redistribution thing. Right. And, like, and that's, you know, that's that's a whole conversation for another day. But, like, it's just, like, you know, the circumstances of your birth and what you have immediately available to you definitely makes a change in everything around you. Like... And so I, I totally understand Uro's frustration with Yuta right. because she because she doesn't she's like I didn't even get a name until I was supposed to die. Right. Like. Yeah, it's a this is a really interesting you know conclusion to you know ooh. this stretch of storytelling in Sendai Colony because like Gege Akutami is really good at just introducing characters that have these you know, really interesting philosophies and they are always introduced saying like really profound and poetic things you know, that have you, that make you think a lot, you know what I mean? Like they, they say such, you know, impactful and memorable dialogue, but what's so impactful and memorable about it is like what can be inferred on the subtextual level because they, they, they do use a lot, like Gege Akutami is really good at subtext to the point where it's like we have a hard time really trying to figure out exactly what certain characters mean by what they say until much later when their character arc is a lot more fleshed yeah. out and we have a better bird's eye view of their philosophy and their character in general and it just keeps you guessing all the way up until that point because the writing is done so well the dialogue and the exchanges that they have leave so much room for interpretation in a lot of different directions and that's what makes compelling dialogue and compelling character arcs especially if you're going to keep characters relatively mysterious the entire time you're focusing on them yeah. so gage's mastered that you what you just said is it's almost like not quite bar for bar but like something very similar to what one of my buddies said about what he likes about game of thrones mm-hmm Game of Thrones, George R.R. Martin is a master of subtext, man. Like, right up there with, like, Quentin Tarantino and fucking, like, Martin Scorsese and and creators that put a lot of emphasis in, you know, regular, mundane conversations that mean so much more than what the literal verbatim words are saying. Yeah. Um, There's something here. She's like, page seven. She kept bringing something up. Was it a lover's quarrel? Something like it. And then... So that adds another layer. If Uro was talking to Sukuna, she hates Yuta because she sees Yuta having everything she wanted, which might include Sukuna. Mm. Because Uro did not get Sukuna. She did not get a sense of self. She did not get a thing, and she fought all the time. She says, Yuta who has self-possession, is powerful, has a name, and has a ring and a cursed, a powerful cursed spirit that he is bonded to. So he, she, he, like, like, if Rika is to Yuta what Uro wanted from Sakuna, mm. she obviously hates Yuta. Wow. Because he literally has everything that she felt like she wanted or deserved. Yeah. 
wow, that's a really cool way of looking at it. I that's like a really tight link if that's a thing. Cause like you, cause he was like a lover's quarrel, and I was like, what does that mean? Yeah. And that's that's what got me on the whole idea. Like this is this is an idea that I had after my third read through. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was just like, what's going on here? I like that a lot. And then I like Ishigori's like response. It's like, stop acting like it's a pain, okay? Like, people's feelings are important. <laughs> yeah, this is another page that like had a really uh, different, you know, uh, situation in the translation, right? Because in the official, she kept bringing something up. Was it a lover's quarrel? Something like it. Stop acting like it's a pain. There's nothing I could have said to her. Whatever I'd say would just lead to violence because I'm blessed. And then in the unofficial translation. That, wouldn't, that woman wouldn't stop whining. Are you guys on a lover's tiff? I guess you could say that. Please pay more attention to her. Anything I say will end in violence. She won't listen to me because unlike her, I'm blessed. So it's like not that as big of a difference to me as like the Sukuna uh, comparison page. But like, yeah. but like, I don't know. There's something that just feels a little bit more intimate and thoughtful when you say, please pay more attention to her rather than yeah. stop acting like it's a pain. Or it's like, I like the idea of Ishigori. It's like, yeah, I tried to kill you, but like, be considerate of other people's feelings. <laughs> right, like, yeah. Like, I may have tried to kill you, but like, right. come on. Right. <laughs> have some standards. Yeah. Um, I do, uh, this does confirm the idea, like, just like the Ayashimon chapter, this confirms uh, the idea of co-current storylines. Yeah. Um, next page on page eight, we get the, the Doki Doki uh, assistant. Kogane. Ref. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I never yep. remember the name of that thing. Yeah, but yep, it's I got Doki you. Kagane, mm -hmm. and uh, it's like you could transfer points, and he's like, "Great, I don't actually have to kill you." Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. and it's cool because it's like, okay, due to point transfer from Takako Uro and Ryu Ishigori, Yuto Okotsu now has two hundred points, and it's like, okay, so we spent a, a a lot of time talking about Uro and Yuta even though Uro isn't really in the chapter at all, but then like we get this line of dialogue in the narration that says he got Uro's points from her. So it's She's like, it's like, why wouldn't you like show that conversation? So I think that will be like back to this point in time, like later to like yeah. actually show the conversation that Yuta has with Uro, because like, I want to assume it's a lot more than just, Flash. Hey, I, yeah. Like, Hey, I beat you. Give me your points. Okay, here you go. Like, no, it's got to be way more than that. Why wouldn't Gege show that? There's got to be a reason why. So I feel like we'll be back to Yuta and Uro later, which I'm like really excited for. But I just felt I that that was like so weird. I was like, okay, so we, we spent this whole chapter with wrapping up Yuta and Ishigori. The whole time Ishigori is referencing Uro, Uro's not in the chapter. And then it just ends with Uro gave this motherfucker her points. No, I'm trying to see that exchange. What the hell? There's got to be a reason why we have to be going back to that. Saving that baby for a flashback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's really cool uh -oh. to see Miwa. You know what I'm saying? A anyway, be grateful oh, to my comrade. Man. So it's like, oh, this is another huge difference, right? Actually, before we go into Miwa, right? Oh, I see. Without that rule, you'd have killed us. Uh, Maybe. Anyway, be grateful to my comrade, right? And then after that, it shows Miwa. So in the official, it makes you think he's maybe talking about Miwa. I don't know. But then in the, so. in the unofficial, you know, he's like, so that's how it is. If it wasn't for this, you would have killed us both, huh? And he's like, hmm, would I? And then the next page is, you should thank my friends for that. 
And it's like, yeah. that's way different than you should be grateful to my comrade. Yeah, in one it's translation, cool. it's implying multiple people. And then in the official translation, it's implying one person. So it's like, yeah. that's kind of a big difference. Is the one person he's referencing the person that implemented the rule? And he's just saying like, well, one rule was implemented and I don't know who, but I know somebody did. Yeah. But I like the friends, you know, translation idea because like, it just makes sense and it feels more fitting with a Utah right. being a lonely boy. Yeah. It's like, we'll never know the answer. Like what, what I have killed you, what I not of, I don't know. But at the end of the day, you can thank my friends for introducing this rule that allows me to not, to not have to kill you to get points. Right. Just be thankful to them because who knows? Like, I think that is him like confirming to Ishigori. If this rule wasn't a thing, you would have smoked us. And it's like, and he wanted to, you know, act like it was ambiguous. Like, mm, would I, wouldn't I have, I don't know. But it's like, no, thank my friends. Because if they didn't make this rule, you'd be fucking dead right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would have been beat up about, torn up about it. Yeah. But I probably yeah. would have done it. Right, right. Um, and the thing is, I feel like in this translation, they're like, Tanya's like, be thankful, my comrade. But we know it's not Miwa. Like we, the readers, yeah. know that wasn't Miwa started the reason. And I was like, just, I was just saying, like one might assume maybe that he's talking about Miwa since he said my comrade, and then it instantly, you know, panels over to a, a flash of of Miwa. So well, just in case anyone may have interpreted it that way, this is us going out of our way to say we don't think that's what's happening right now. Yeah, I don't think it's that way, and I think it's purposefully done that way to foreshadow the opposite mm. where i think that miwa is going to cause a lot of suffering mm. in the opposite of what yuta was saying be thankful for my comrades yeah and oh but miwa this is comrade is pissed because they're fucking yeah fuck shit this comrade she's yeah she's got a chip on her shoulder because her boyfriend got smoked in the last arc and she fucking put all of her will into deter and determination into stopping Kenja kenjaku just for her strongest attack to be caught by bare hands and her weapon broken at the snap of a finger like that was probably so demoralizing and so like just soul shredding for miwa to come out of the death of kokichi into a newfound, you know, vigor and determination to accomplish this goal, just to have that snuffed out effortlessly by Kenjaku. She's on go time in in the this fact colony, that she's bro. In the calling game yeah. means that she has resolved herself again, yeah. and she is not fucking around. Yeah, she's like, I gotta let all this out. Fuck you, talking about my every no, everything she's... is fucked, and y'all are all gonna suffer because I'm pissed. <laughs> I'm gonna make it everyone's problem. It's Type like, shit. I I I really want to see her. Just like stop apologizing and just go batshit insane like Drano because like <laughs> she she was like such a sweet character like Gojo is like she's my type and then Gojo gets sealed the Shibuya incident traumatizes literally everyone mm -hmm. and then what happens after that <laughs> yeah. like like you know um, there is always there's this tweet that I I occasionally see that pops up again it's like you know what um, there's no nice gay people left because you bullied the rest of us to death. Mm. There's only the mean roach motherfuckers left. Yeah. And part of me is just like, there's no more nice sorcerers left. Yeah. You've killed them all. You're right. Traumatized them. They have stopped giving a shit. Yeah. And like, like I want to see Miwa go hard. Yeah, me too. Uh, me too, because her shit has been like so like 
you know, teasy, right? Like in the in the in the exchange festival, she goes up against Maki, and this is the first time that we hear about simple domains. And you're like, oh shit, what's a simple domain? And then you get the explanation of her like Bato Jutsu sword drawing technique and how it's you know supercharged with curse energy. And you're like, hell yeah, I'm trying to see that. Instantly gets countered by Maki and just completely no diffed. And you're like. Well, all right, then. Then we get newfound vigor, Miwa, at the end of Shibuya. Boyfriend just died. Super pissed, ready to get revenge on Kenjaku. Here's her moment. Boom. Completely no diffed again. Like, entirely countered. You don't get to see shit. And it's like, well, damn. Is Miwa ever going to get her moment? And it's like, oh, wait a minute. We might get it here in this battle royale. You know, every man for themselves culling game battleground. Like, this is the perfect time for her to really just let all of that frustration out in a in a way that will be you know positive for her and not just end in instant counter one shot no diff like it has been historically up until this point so i'm dumb excited man yeah my underdog shine you crazy damn girl oh yeah i'm all uh, the stocks are going into me now and so we see what's cracking like i got all my eggs in that basket like i cannot wait to get focus on that it's amazing how pumped i am about miwa and she's only in two panels with no dialogue mm-hmm. she's literally walking through a ruined city like yeah. the man with no name kind right. of like vibes it's just that cinematic you know potency that we get in in gege akutami's you know art and chapter compositions like that's all he needs to show you you know what i mean and then just history of the story lets you know that this chick is not playing this time, you know, so it makes you that much more excited because we didn't get any dialogue. We just see a dead serious face with no background and that's all you need. <laughs> yeah. But. Oh man. And then yeah, man. this fucking weirdo. Charles Bernard. Another, I don't like him. Uh, yeah, He's yeah. a French fuck boy. I don't <laughs> like him. <laughs> well, it's another it's another example of what we were talking about earlier where where Gage is just like so good at introducing characters with such interesting, unique philosophies that they're bringing to the table and the delivery of those philosophies being executed in such a brilliant way in the dialogue being so heavy on the subtext it's like they're having a totally you know normal mundane conversation but you know that there's like a really deep message you know underneath that to be interpreted you know what i mean and at the same time it feels like you know either like a metatextual like wink into you know the thoughts and feelings of gege akutami themselves maybe in the form of like a critique of the manga industry with this argument that charles bernard is having with editorial about the art in his you know manga not being very realistic and just like the direction that the story is taking not being able to handle all of the sporadic like you know um you know different avenues that the writing is taking i i can't remember the exact dialogue but he's like He's like, hey, bro. Oh, yeah, it requires too much content. Yeah, the story isn't strong enough for mixing genres the way that you're doing and shit like that. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, damn. It's like, are you are you saying something about your personal experiences as a manga creator? Or are you like, what is this? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's really cool and, like, kind of awkward, you know, to think yeah. about. Yeah. I think that Charles Bernard is a combination of some of the thought of criticism like his response to a lot of the criticisms that people give his artwork and then also uh like a kind of like a slam on people that he believes like how do i phrase this 
It's tough. I know that Akutami has a history of like he literally has a beef with one of his first um, like first editors. Oh, where? Like Yamazawa or something like that. Yamakawa, Yamazawa. Okay. Um, like, he talks about it. There's, there's, I, I found like a series of like tweets about it. Like, like he drew about it. Drew a little comic about like, oh yeah, I hated my first editor. He's always a dickhead to me. Oh wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, there we go. So, like, there's there's an element of this. Um, they talk about how gay gay. Um, there was like I saw a Tumblr post that are like. Yeah, no. There's a moment where like Gege will come into Shonen Jump and he'll get into ye- yelling matches with his editor because they don't like what he's doing. <laughs> they think he's doing like too much or too suddenly, and he's like, "No, this is important to the story. It must be in there." Yes. Um, wow. So there's elements of that. Plus, um, I think that Charles Bernard is a criticism of people that believe that like because they consume manga, that they know what they're doing. Mm. And I think it's a, like it's it's a combination of multiple things: his tumultuous tr- history with his editors, um, people's criticisms of his art, like the fact that like oh yeah, what's up with all the scores? The comedy is horror. Your your fingers are weird. Your art is sketchy. There's too much context that's required. And then there's also the slam of like the slam poking fun at the people. They're like, we consume so much mango, so we know what we're talking about. And he's yeah. like, do you though? Right. Do you though? Do you really? How you get come it? off? Like, yeah. like y'all are a bunch of fuck boys. I hate you. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Wow. So that I I feel like he's he's an amalgamation of multiple aspects that he finds problematic within the industry or like the culture of consumption of media. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one line that I really resonated that I quite liked. Um, the whole because he's talking is like. He's literally monologuing at this editor, like, what makes a manga creator? After all, they don't need a license. It's experience and harness. Like, that's a bit harsh. Books on shelves, that's in fashion. And the guy's like, your Japanese is pretty good. Actually, your Japanese is good. I'm Japanese. Well, so am I. Yeah. I know how I feel. Like, I feel that so much. Like, yeah, yeah. People are like, oh, your English is so good. You're so well-spoken. And I'm like, English is my first language. <laughs> I, I literally treated school like my job i don't know what to tell you guys like of course i'm well spoken in english if you like i i i get that i get that sometimes too that's like one of the worst ones like you speak so well and it's like like, i'm not even foreign why are you surprised that i speak well what the fuck so low-key racist and like like it's the otherizing aspect of language they're like oh only 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 people that are born here should speak good English. And I'm like, only people born here? You mean like Native Americans? Like, <laughs> yeah, get out of here, son. Yeah, your Cherokee's garbage, bro. Like, jeez, James. Like, <laughs> Thanks, James. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's, yeah. there's a lot to unpack in there. But I did like that line. But yeah. like, Bernard just comes off to me as an amalgamation of a lot of critiques. Yeah, for sure. And that's like what's so cool about where we're at in Jujutsu Kaisen right now. It's like the beginning of the series. I never thought that we would be introduced to characters like Charles Bernard or Higuruma. Yeah, or even Higuruma. It's just like so like not expected kinds of characters that you would think would show up in a story about humans versus demons. You know what I mean? I I like the theme though, that this that Charles Bernard is part of an ongoing theme. Right. And how are we defined by our profession? How are we defined by what we do? We are, we are 
as humans, defined by the sum of our actions. But how much of our actions are influenced by obligations, environment, like nature versus nurture, profession, profession the choice mm -hmm. of profession, or the professions that are forced upon us, like Uro. Mm -hmm. You know, so like, like I like that ongoing theme. So like Higuruma is a great example. Nanami was a fantastic example of a like a day worker. Yeah, you know. Um, Charles Bernard, uh, and that, that weird, like, uh, stand-up guy. Uh, his name is eluding me. Yeah. But, like, like, he was a failed comedian, right? Yeah, like, people yeah. like, you're a failed comedian. And I liked the concept of, it's like, these people that you deem as failures still have potential in the form of cursed energy. And right. I think that's Gage's thing. He's like, you may deem these people to not fit in your society, but that doesn't mean they're not going to carve their yeah. own position into it. Yeah. Doesn't mean they're not going to have a potential. Doesn't mean they aren't going to change things up. And also, you should treat them with respect because no matter who you are, someone can fuck you up. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm really interested to see like what his fighting style is going to be like because we can be pretty confident that this is, you know, one of the Junpei type, you know, uh players in the Culling game where they didn't eat, you know, a cursed object or anything and, you know, allow that ancient sorcerer to take over the body you know like yeah. like uro or ishigori this is going to be more of a higuruma uh or a um whatever the comedian's name is that we can't remember right now like all of those guys yeah 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 takaba yeah takaba yeah, yeah, yeah nice nice i'm pretty sure that is what it is so like takaba the comedian obviously has a curse technique that goes into comedy hiromi uh higuruma obviously has a curse technique that goes into um you know judiciary like law um uh attorney defense attorney type yeah. shit whatever I, I don't know why i'm like struggling with words right there and then this dude is obviously a mangaka so it's like how or is aspiring that mangaka. aspiring mangaka whatever like how is that you know ability going to manifest i'm like so interested Ooh. in yeah because in... it's gonna be like a modern sorcerer he's definitely yeah. a modern sorcerer right he's yeah how he's, he's he's you know his parents were immigrants or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then, uh, like, is his power going to be tropes? Like, literally just tropes? Oh, you nearly defeated me, but now I'm ten times stronger. Oh, you know? man. Zenkai uh, boost. You, <laughs> you thought I was dead, but plot twist. Does it, Is his power plot armor? Yo. He has to, like, narrate. Like, he has to keep up a narration. He has to, like, monologue the entire time he's fighting. Oh, man. To, like, maintain his ability. And if Hikari, like, throws off his mojo, he's like... And he stutters and writes, like, monologues himself into a corner, and then Hikari just owns his shit. Oh, like, yeah, like, know. he accidentally, like, you know, writes a plot hole or something, and then, like, that is, like, the point that Hikari can exploit or something. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of the vibe I'm getting for, because I don't think he's going to be, like, that My Hero guy, the onomatopoeia dude. Yeah, um, the man manga Fukudashi. <laughs> yeah, Fukudashi dude, yeah. So, like, I don't think he's going to be like that. Yeah. Um, maybe i don't know like there's, yeah there's... I, I definitely think there will be more a lot more depth and nuance and like rules to this manga ability versus my hero academia's manga character i think he's definitely gonna have like a damage negation ability sure um because that's classic in manga i and like also, the hikari idea is a... oh hikari's what 
Akari's a bruiser. Yeah, like a bruiser like type. He's yeah. a scrapper. His his, yeah. his powers shred people. Yeah, he'll just he run up on you. And, yeah, with so like I imagine slot. that yeah. to be a good com, com like counter. Yeah, that'd be tight. I like your idea that he would like give himself plot armor. You know what I mean? Or that his power is just like you know tropes. You know what I mean? I think that either of those or both you know, would be really cool to see. But I just know that Gege's, like, creativity is going to be through the roof when it comes to this dude's curse technique and fighting style. So I'm, I'm like, more excited to see what this dude has than, like, Hakari. You know what I mean? We haven't gotten, like, a Dude, proper breakdown of, like... Yeah, we haven't got a proper breakdown of Hakari's technique or how it works. We kind of saw him fight Yuji and saw that he had some thing about, like, conjuring doors or, like you know telekinetically you know controlling doors when he was fighting like you know Ooh. yuji or whatever but like who knows what it actually is but like we That's know it's gonna be, gonna be so tight cool. yeah we know he's gonna show out but like the wild card is charles bernard like i'm so much more interested to see what There's he can so do so many doors on a ferris wheel yeah. i'm excited for the choreography in that like yeah. that just seems like, like multi-platform yeah. fight like i'm for it yeah uh Hell yeah, man. Oh, man. Is Charles Bernard just going to do a bunch of famous manga catchphrases and just be like, hey. Yo, that'd be crazy. What if we, like, hmm. That would be wild if, like, it got, like, that meta. You know what I mean? Where he's, like, yeah. referencing, like, like actual Naruto or, like, actual Bleach or actual One Piece. It's because potential. then that would create like a very like weird situation in like the world setting of Jujutsu yeah. Kaisen. It's like, wait a minute, One Piece and like My Hero Academia and like Chainsaw Man like exist in this universe as comics. Like, oh. okay, that's yeah. weird, but like, well, let's see what see he's got to do. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Cause that, that'd be kind of cool to see like, because like Ayashimon has shown a jump. Yeah. So like maybe as an acknowledgement of that, there's Charles Bernard who is just like, yeah, no, I, I see you. I see you. Yeah, it's Did one thing in Ayashimon where it starts off where that's the precedent, but like having us be almost 200 chapters into Jujutsu Kaisen before they introduce that element could be kind of jarring. But... Yeah, it's, it's where it's like, you know, his ability mimics the shape and structure of other abilities yeah. from them. Yeah. Um, but you know, you never know because yeah. uh, it's all shown in junk. But like, copyright's also a real bitch. So. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Knows. Does it does it work like that inside of the same magazine that all of them kind of like live inside of? Yeah. Would it be a copy? Like, because I mean, like, Kohei Horikoshi straight up put Denji in his comic, like yeah. unashamedly. Call, yeah. I need a room. I need a lawyer. I need someone to explain this to me. Yeah, something like that. But who knows? We'll see what happens. I guess. But. Uh -oh. I, I love that, like, for me, I said this already, but, like, Bernard seems like a fuckboy. Like, a, like I've met some European, like, I, I lived in China for a while mm -hmm. at a school for, like, for international students. Mm -hmm. And there were some really French-ass fuckboys that, like, dressed <laughs> like that. Hardcore, oh, shit. And I was like, God damn it, I'm getting flashbacks. Well, all right, um, then. <laughs> and then, like, Atari himself, is, he's like, yeah, I, I like this sucks. I don't want to go here with a dude. I'm only here to skip you know, if I case I bring a babe. And yeah. I'm like, wow, these two are both fuck boys and they're just gonna <laughs> throw, throw down. Like to me that's hilarious. Yeah. But also just just like, oh my god. Yeah. Um Yeah, it's really really exciting stuff, man. He even starts crying on the last page and it's like, 
damn, you really took that to heart after you literally made him say that to you? <laughs> like, that was, like, the one thing he could have possibly said to you that you had to be expecting he would say after you say, say something that makes me that would make me mad so I have a reason to fight you. And he's like, oh, you're a mangaka? Well, I don't want to read your shitty book. It's like, you knew after telling him to say something that that would be the one <laughs> thing to say, and you're so affected by it that you're crying it's like holy shit you're a fucking yeah. drama queen kid that's why i thought charles bernard is like like an amalgamation of like very flawed people that like because like there's some people on like twitter and stuff that literally just seem like they want to be offended by something oh yeah you for know sure, what i mean for sure like, oh i want my feelings hurt so i can have an excuse to just go blah, blah, yeah. and word vomit everybody around me and i'm like god it's like the meme where it's like the dude on the it's like the dude on like a bicycle pulls yeah. out pulls out a stick puts it into his own spoke falls over and then goes like thanks obama or like some shit <laughs> i'm waiting for the charles bernard meme where it's just like oh thanks hikari yeah <laughs> yeah we'll see if we'll see if that gets made might have to might have all to right do, it Internet, do your magic right <laughs> um but yeah, he literally asked for his feelings to be hurt, and then he's just like, Whoa. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, I wasn't expecting the, the real tears. I was like, real tears, bro? Really? I was like, damn, alright, well, can't wait to see you get your shit pushed in next week. <laughs> he's obnoxious. I'll, I, I, yeah. I'm excited for him. I think he's a cool character. Oh, yeah, he's totally being, like, introduced and initially characterized as, like, such a douchebag, but, like, it's Gege Akutami, so, like, by the end of this fight, we're gonna fucking... And it's like, I'm sorry someone talked smack about something that you were personally invested in, but, yeah. like, that's their job. Yeah, but, like, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just know that, like, he's being introduced to be someone that, like, we're not supposed to like too much, obviously, but I, I just know that, because it's Gege, like, by the end of you know, this fight or whatever, we're all just going to fucking be head over heels in love for this guy. It's like, if you can make me love Reggie, it's like, there's no characters yeah, outside of the yeah. realm of possibility uh, to eventually. Hard to stay from all these shitty characters. Yeah. Yeah. Where's your pathos? Come right. on. Yeah. Well, I'm we, ready. We going to get it right here. Just yeah. hit me with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, you got anything else for Jujutsu this week? No, I think we've covered up pretty much all the bases that I can think of. Hell yeah, that was a nice, juicy, 40-minute conversation for Jujutsu this week. I'm real happy with it. But all right, I think that will do it for this chapter of Jujutsu Kaisen. And since My Hero Academia and One Piece are both on break, that will do it for this episode of the Project Manga Podcast. Thank you all so much for watching. If you did, slap a like on the video if you enjoyed the conversation. Hit subscribe if you're new here and you're enjoying the content that you've experienced so far. Um, and as always, take a look in the description down below. That's going to be where you can find us on all of our individual social media accounts like Twitter and whatnot, where you can listen to the Project Manga Podcast wherever you normally consume your podcasts, Apple Music, Spotify, what have you. Um, there's also going to be a link to our Discord, so you can come join the community that is ever-growing and ever-conversating in, uh, in a multitude of different, you know, channels. we got a channel for just about everything in there. And constantly adding more. Um, there's also ways to further support what we do by checking out our Patreon. That's going to have multiple tiers. 
that'll let you have things like early access to content, additional manga reviews, what have you. VODs for live readings and whatnot all are housed on the Patreon. So check that out if you want to uh, throw us some scratch and continue to help us out in extra ways. But with all that said, that'll do it for this episode of the Project Manga Podcast. Wrapping up, I'm Knox. And I'm Mellow Yes. Catch y'all next time. Cheers.